Let's go to our, our first scripture, Proverbs 17. And I'm going to give you just a couple of minutes to turn there because I want to wait for some of the parents to come back in here. Does anybody know what we've been talking about in the last few Sunday mornings? Joy. Okay, I'm going to put you in remembrance of some things today. We've been talking about the power of joy and not waiting for everything to get perfect before you choose to be joyful. You don't have to wait for everything to get perfect. You're made in the image of God. You can be joyful anytime you choose to be. Joy is way more about a choice and an attitude than feelings and circumstances. And I wanted to share some things with you again today about joy. Being Mother's Day, I can't think of a better message. I mean, how much, where did we first learn joy, you know, from mom and that God was shining through them. But I want you to notice Proverbs 17, 22, and we're going to talk about you and me coming up in this joy area. And you'll find out why. If you haven't been with us, it's a very powerful thing. Joy makes good things happen. So let's look here at Proverbs 17, verse 22. The Bible says, A merry heart does something. Doeth means does. A merry heart makes, doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. You need to understand that your attitude has a lot to do with the shape of your physical body and your natural life. If you've got a merry heart, good things are going to happen in your life. If you're crushed and broken and depressed all the time, it's going to affect even your bones, your physical body. People have not realized this. You don't want to wait for everything around you to shape up before you get joyful. This scripture says, get joyful and things around you will start to shape up. One translation says, a merry heart, by choice, makes a healthy body. Now you know why the devil wants you sad? Now you know why he wants you depressed? He wants you sick, he wants you destroyed, he wants you doing nothing for the Lord, always... You know, having to be weighed on hand and foot. He wants you, Jesus wants you on top and the devil wants you on the bottom. And this scripture right here says, a merry heart comes on the scene before you feel better. When do you take medicine? Usually when you're not feeling well. Unless it's preventative medicine and you want to stay healthy. This scripture is telling you a major key. And, and if you just get this in your mind, he's talking about being a joyful person, not just about being joyful once in a while. Tweaks that thing in your life that needs tweaked and become a joyful person. Amen? The kind where people say, I like myself best when I'm around you. Because you're up. There's an air of faith about you. You may have ten times the problems they have, but you've learned to walk by faith and not by what you feel. God's telling you right here, if you want to see better things in your life, or even in your health, don't wait for things to change. Make them change. Make them change, child of God. Be glad in what the Lord said. Rejoice in His promises of healing and prosperity and health, and that will change your circumstances. I put it like this, man. If you become a joyful person and your life doesn't get better, God lied to you in this verse. I mean, what else could it be? If we become cheerful, joyful people because we believe every promise is true, 
We believe we're going to heaven and not going to hell. We believe by his stripes we were healed. We believe our sins and iniquities he'll remember no more. We believe these promises. Come on, man. If we believe, we're going to see these things in our life. Right. Everybody wants to see, but nobody wants to believe. Well, if you believe, you see. And getting in, getting in joy by choice is one of the most powerful things you can do to change your circumstances. You know, a lot of times people are going to pray and God's going to say, get happy and things will shape up. No, God, just magically answer my prayer. It don't work that way. Faith is not magic. Praying a lot of times has to do with God telling you what to do. And when you do it in faith, miracles can happen. It's not things floating down from heaven on flowery beds of ease. It's not things coming to you on a white fluffy pillow. You do what the Lord tells you to do. You get the victory you've been praying for. And a lot of people are praying for health and strength. And one of the answers to your prayers is what you've been hearing in this series. Joy makes good things happen. You need to start practicing joy and smiling when you don't feel like it. Become a different person if need be. What do you mean? Well, what the scripture says, put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put that new man on. Can we practice smiling real quick? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and just smile. <laughs> okay, I can see I need to tell a joke. I know some of you have already heard this joke, so don't laugh before the punchline. But did you hear about the guy who got addicted to drinking brake fluid? He could stop at any time. <laughs> oh, come on, Carla. That, you should laugh at that. <laughs> Carla's rolling her eyes. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Now, in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 12... The Bible says, do you have that scripture? Did I give you that one, Lucas? 2 Peter 1.12. The Bible says that Peter said, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. You say, well, pastor, I thought you talked about joy last week. And I thought you brought these scriptures up two weeks ago. I did. But did you notice when I said, what have we been talking about? About four people said joy. Hmm? So I'm not going to be negligent. To put you in remembrance of these things. And notice, though you know them and be established in the present truth. We need stirred up. Our pure minds needed to be stirred up by way of remembrance constantly because there's things in this world. As soon as the service is over, there's things in this world. And the Bible says the enemy is going to come immediately to try to steal the word that was sown in you. He comes immediately to try to take away with cares of this world, lusts of other things, deceitfulness of riches. All this stuff's going to try to come into you after this service is over. So we got to make sure we're reminding you of the important stuff. Joy is a decision. And to be frank with you, it's a decision to obey God who said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The enemy knows that if we complain long enough, he can have access into our lives. 1 Corinthians 10. The murmurers were destroyed just like the idol worshipers. It let, gave access to the enemy. There's something about complaining that opens the door to the enemy. There's something about staying sad when you know better that opens the door to the enemy. 
Friend, I don't care how crazy it gets in this world. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven when you die. Do you understand that? You're not going to hell where you deserve. You get to go to heaven where you don't deserve because you believe in Jesus. Right. That's enough right there to be happy for the rest of your life, even if everything around you is haywire. Yeah. But I guarantee you, if you'll be happy for the good things you do have, some of these not so good things will start to shape up. The Bible says in Joel chapter 1 that all their businesses were withering. The pomegranate tree, the, the, uh, the, all these trees, and their agricultural business in Joel 1 verse 12. It said that all their businesses started to wither because joy had withered from the sons of men. Well, if lack of joy causes problems in your finances, I wonder what abundance of joy would do for your finances and your, your mental state and your ability to produce. Oh, come on, man. I, I told you last week I looked at all those pictures of Bill Gates. I can't hardly find one where he's not smiling unless he's in the middle of a speech or something. Even when he was arrested as a teenager for traffic violations, he's smiling. He's got a, he's got a thing around his neck and he's smiling. So I asked myself the question, according to all these scriptures and what I saw in his life, are people happy because they're rich or are they rich because they're happy? Did happiness lead them to this place of success? Did happiness influence their decisions and, and did it attract things into their life that people, other people aren't attracting? Come on, man. You need to understand that success is something you attract by the person you become. <sighs> Can I get an amen? amen? So now do this with me. Turn to Acts 16 and listen closely as you're turning. Some of the most powerful things happen in your life and to your life when you, don't, when you do what you don't feel like doing. Amen. Okay, I want to say it again. Some of the most powerful things happen in your life when you do what you don't feel like doing. Some of the most powerful things happen in your life when you do what you don't feel like doing. Some of the most powerful things... I'm putting you in remembrance. <laughs> Some of the most powerful things happen in your life when you don't... When you do what you don't feel like doing. When you're joyful, when you don't feel like being joyful. And if you're not joyful hour after hour, you're thinking on the wrong stuff. Come on. Huh? Come on, if you're, if you're sad day after day, you're thinking on the wrong stuff. I can almost, I, I can, you're probably thinking about your problems instead of the fact that you can see and you're not blind. You're probably thinking about the extra tax bill that came in instead of the fact that you're going to heaven and not hell when you die. Did you know you can think on anything you want to think on? That's a revelation right there. The Lord told us what to think on. Things that are true, just, lovely, pure, honest, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy things. Think on these things. He wouldn't tell you to do that if you couldn't do that. Yeah, but pastor, I can't control my thoughts. Like, yeah, you can. That's a lie. Let me tell you the best way to control your thoughts. You ready? Interrupt what you're thinking by talking. Come on. Put that on. It's just like putting a phone on hold. If you're thinking something and you're waging a silent mental warfare and you don't like what's going on in here, open your mouth and overwrite it and put that other stuff on hold and start saying something out of your mouth. Because if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. And if you don't like what's on your mind, put what you want on your mind on your mouth. Because if it's on your mouth, it's on your mind. You know, you've done the whole test. Count backwards from 10 and then say your name. You know, Well, you can't do both at the same time. 
Count backwards in your mind, 10, 9, 8, and then say your name. Well, you just interrupted the counting by the saying. Right. Absolutely. Hmm? And, and joy has a lot to do with what you choose to think on. Even peace works the same way. The Bible says God will keep you in perfect peace while your mind is stayed on Him. He will keep you in perfect peace. i got to get my Bible. He will keep you in perfect peace while your what? Your mind is stayed on Him. So your, your peace level has more to do with what's on your mind than what's around you. Same thing with your joy level. Joy has more to do with what's on your mind than your circumstances. There's always an answer to every problem. It's just people haven't read the Bible enough to find out where those answers are. And that's another reason going to church. God's gifted me and graced me to be in the Word a lot so you can get the benefit of my time in the Word. Although you need to be in the Word yourself a lot. There's things the Lord gives me for you all the time. Now I want to quote Kenneth Hagin. Kenneth Hagin was my spiritual father, still is. He's just in heaven now. But he made this statement, powerful man of God. I mean, just amazing what the Lord did through this man. He said the greatest healings and miracles that happened in his life and ministry happened when he didn't feel a thing. There was no goosebumps when he was praying for people, but a miracle happened. Are you following? There was no lightning from heaven uh, when he got his healing, but his healing happened. It's because of what he did in those dry times that allowed God to do miracles in his life. And one of the things you're going to have to learn to do in your dry times is smile and be happy for the good things the Lord has done. And the good things He's going to do. Say this, church. Joy is my choice. The Bible never said, feel glad. The Bible said, be glad. That's stronger than feel glad. And be glad will help you eventually feel glad. You know, we, we've got it backwards in this world. The, the, most people are saying what they feel. When God said, you're supposed to be feeling what you say. Your tongue's supposed to be controlling your body, not your body controlling what you say. It's a, it's a part of growing up spiritually. Now, Acts 16. Um, I have to say one more thing before we read this scripture. Do y'all remember Hannah? Yes. Right? If you read 1 Samuel, I'm not going to go over it all right now, but she was barren. She wanted a child. She needed a miracle. She prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and got zero. But one day, the preacher encouraged her to be happy and to be in peace. She took his word at it, went home and ate, got happy. The Bible says her countenance was no longer sad. And her circumstances were no longer bad. She got pregnant. She had a child. His name was Samuel. Greatest prophet the world's ever seen. Other than Jesus himself, probably. Here's the principle. When her countenance was no longer sad, even though there was still no change in the natural yet, she was still as barren as ever. She decided to believe, God, you heard me, and I'm going to act like you heard me. I'm going to go home and eat. I'm going to be at peace. And she was no longer sad. And her circumstances were no longer bad. Right. You and I need to practice joy. 
might want to put reminders on your phone. It's time for a joy break until it becomes a part of your life. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while not feeling any reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. We must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. Online church, you must get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. One more time. We must all get used to being joyful while feeling no reason to be joyful. Say this. When her countenance was no more sad, her circumstances were no more bad. So that brings us into the rest of what I want to share with you in these last few minutes. And that is a phrase that can be backed up by a ton of scriptures. Celebration leads to victory. I know that sounds weird and crazy to the natural mind, but we're not talking natural. We're talking supernatural help today. Celebration leads to victory. No, no, pastor. It's victory, then the celebration. Ungodly, worldly, no faith at all people can do that. It's going to take a person of faith to sing in the dark and to celebrate when it looks like it's over because God didn't lie and you're going to make it. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Every ding going to be all right because the Lord didn't lie. Say this, celebration leads to victory. You want to see an example of celebration leading to victory in the New Testament? Mark 16. Um, excuse me, Acts 16. <laughs> oh. You have to retrain yourself. Some of us just have to become a new person. Put on the new man. What new man? The new man who you are in Christ. You know the man that's happy and thankful and going to heaven? Got angels all around? <laughs> Amen. You want things to get better? Make them get better. Draw on the supernatural power of joy. Be happy by choice because what you believe is stronger than what you feel. Come on, you connect your joy with what you believe, the power of God comes on the scene. Things change that doctors have no cure for. A merry heart makes a healthy body. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's when you feel like it and when you don't. And again, I say rejoice. You know, the Bible says, you shall come again with rejoicing, bringing your sheaves with you. Your heart, joy is a harvesting factor. They planted, they sowed, they got crops, and they came with rejoicing, bringing their harvest with them. Showing us spiritually that joy is a harvesting factor. It's very important to be a person of joy in order to bring in the harvest that you've sown for. All the good things you've sown. The Bible says you, the Bible says you will um, sow in tears. Maybe hard at times to sow. Whew. Yeah. But the Bible says you'll reap in joy. Joy is how you reap what the Lord promised you. 
You get happy before there's any change because you know God didn't lie and you know these things out here are temporary. Things have to change. I mean, man, come on. Think of, if, you, if you get cheerful and things don't get better, the Bible's not true. We're in church in vain today. But the Bible is true. But here's the problem. A lot of people want to change the circumstances, but they don't mess with my attitude, man. But I want to change in circumstances, but don't tell me to be joyful. I want, honey, just take your medicine. Don't spit it out. Be cheerful. Be, I don't want you. That's not who I am. Honey, come on, take your medicine. Take your, it'll, it'll be good for you. I just don't want, I don't, don't take, no, I don't want my, take your medicine. And as you're driving down the road and taking your medicine and people look at you and they see you laughing and praising God and, and singing, that'd be a, an interesting sight, huh? They're probably going to say, what are you on? You say, I'm on my medication, man. I got some medicine in church today. They say, you look a little strange. Well, you should see me when I'm not on my medication. I'm really strange. <laughs> Come on. A cheerful heart is a good medicine. We should be so happy people want what we got. The joy of our salvation be, should be coming out of all of us. Yeah, but pastor, I got problems. And if I was cheerful, I wouldn't be real. What? Are you telling me what you're feeling and your circumstances is more real than these scriptures we've been reading? Come on, man. People say, I'm going to be real. If I'm sad, I'm just going to be sad. Well, you're being real, but you're being real carnal, real fleshy, and real focused on your physical life. What about the spiritual part of your life? What about what God said? What about the Word of God? What about His Word? What's greater, His Word or what you feel? His Word or your circumstances? If you want your circumstances to change, you're going to have to start doing what the Lord's telling you to do. Hmm? Acts 16, verse 16. We'll finish with this. And it came to pass, as Paul and Silas went to prayer... A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by her soothsaying. This demon was working through this, this little girl to divinate and to help these businessmen make a lot of money. Interesting. Next verse. And the same girl followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, you think, what's wrong with that? that that's great. What, what, what's wrong? Well, it was the way she was saying it. It was, a, it was the enemy inspired. I'm sure it was probably something like this. These men are servants of the Most High God! <laughs> Which brings us the way of salvation! These men are servants of the Most High God! It's like, shut up! <laughs> I aggravate you, man. And Paul, you talk about a man of patience. This happened many days. These men are servants of the Most High God! show us the way of salvation. That was just the devil knowing who Paul and Silas was. It's called a familiar spirit. They were familiar with Paul because everywhere Paul went, Paul booted them out. Right. These men are servants of the Most High God. <laughs> show us the way of salvation. <laughs> right words, wrong spirit. <laughs> okay. Right? Try the spirits, because sometimes the words are right, but the spirit behind the scene is wrong. Okay, so she's doing this. In next verse, 
This she did many days. Oh, man. <laughs> These men are servants of the Most High God. <laughs> Who show us the way of salvation? It's like Paul's just preaching going, God, can I do something about this? But Paul being grieved, and we would be too. After many days, and said to the Spirit, not to her, to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. What's that called? That's called successful ministry because Paul didn't just do this when he felt like it. He waited for the Spirit of God to say, now, speak, bang, results. And if we'd be more led by the Spirit, we'd see more results. You know, there's sometimes God don't want us to pray. And if you do, you mess things up. Be led for timing. Don't just get what, get when. Get how, get where. And don't just respond to needs. Be led by the Spirit. You may be, a need may come to you, and four days later you go take care of it. And they may die in the process, but they'll rise from the dead too if you're led by the Spirit. All right, so, so you got the picture here? Okay, so she's delivered. Next verse. And when her masters, these businessmen, saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. Next verse. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them because they just set this girl free. But see, these businessmen lost some demonic help in their business, and they weren't happy about it. Next verse. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, whipped them, cast them in the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, I mean securely. And the jailer, receiving such a char- charge, thrust them into the inner prison, which back then was probably the sewer part, and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas griped and complained. And Silas said, Paul, I can't believe I hooked up with you, man. Leading us to do all this stuff, saying to the Lord, Oh, my back is hurting so bad. Oh, Lord, we're probably going to die here. The infection's going to set in. Oh, I can't believe. Oh, I hurt so bad. Oh, what are we going to do, God? We're just serving you, and this is what we get for it. What would have happened if they chose to do that? We wouldn't even be reading this because it wouldn't have made the Bible. Come on, somebody tell me what they do at midnight. Now, this is literally midnight. What about the midnight hour in our lives? This was written for our admonition so we can get free like they got free. You ever get dark in your life? Somebody ever say they're going to sue you? You ever get a report from a doctor that looks terrible? You ever hear something about your kids that you wish would never heard? They look like something has changed that will never change back? What do you do at the midnight? This is, this is midnight hour instructions right here. And at midnight... What did they do? I'm going to tell you what they did. They did what they didn't feel like doing. And therein lies your victory. Amen. You're, going to get to have to, you're going to have to get used to doing what you don't feel like doing. I said you're going to have to get used to doing what feels like Gumby. Just rubbery. No feeling. Nobody know who Gumby is? All right. All you old people. Sorry, mature people. <laughs> if I heard of Gumby, then I'm mature too. But no, no, church, listen. What'd they do at midnight? At midnight, Paul and Silas 
did what they didn't feel like doing. And if you want victory, you're going to have to start doing things you don't feel like doing. You'll see the greatest miracles when there was no feeling involved. Just faith. Just doing, acting like the word's true. It could be the bleakest and darkest. It could feel like every demon in hell's on your case. Dark all around. Death's at the door. But you say, nah, uh-uh. Mm-mm. I am not a tree. I can get in faith. I can speak the word. I can believe God. Paul and Silas prayed. Now, if it would end right there, we'd all have the victory. But we don't all have the victory because there's an end after the word prayed. Many have prayed and saw nothing. All they got was some jaw exercise, maybe a little bit of relief. Well, I prayed. Well, that's not the end of the verse. Prayed and. Sean, what's and in the English? It's a conjunction, right? Thank you. That's our teacher. I need my help. My teacher help. And is a conjunction. Prayed and. Prayed and. Sing, O barren. You that did not bear, break forth, cry aloud, spare not. For more are going to be your children that get in faith than she that has a bunch of children already. Come on, you're going to have more results in your life by acting in faith than people who are just naturally getting nice things in life. Sing who? Sing you that just birthed a beautiful little child? Sing you that don't have no child and can't get, get, get pregnant? Sing! Why? So you can get pregnant. Well, I think I just had a word for somebody who wants to have children. Amen. Sing, O Baron. They prayed in what? Come on, church. They prayed in what? They sang praises unto God, and they did it so quietly nobody heard them. And the prisoners heard them. So they weren't going, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. No. They were probably going, Glory to God, the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? He's my refuge in a dark place. He's my deliverer. And I'm sort of going, and Paul, whoa, whoa, hey, you don't know. They might have had rap music back then. The Lord is my strength. Come on. They prayed, nothing happened. They sang praises, and an earthquake happened, a good kind. See that? Suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. Everybody. You're not going to ever know what your faith and your praising could do for people around you. Get them set free, too, out of overflow. Huh? Next verse. It says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. Next verse. And the keeper of the prison... Awakening out of sleep, seeing the prison doors open, drew his sword and would have killed himself, uh, supposing the prisoners had been fled. You can read the rest of the story. The guy gets saved. He doesn't kill himself. They have revival in prison and they go to the next town and have another revival. What got him out of the mess? God got him out of the mess. But why was God able to do that for them? And he's not able to do it for everybody. Because they chose to believe and add some joy in singing. If you look up the word praises, saying praises, it's the word for celebration. Let's stand up and say it again. Celebration, celebration. leads to victory. Yes. 